T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. a good idea have a point it makes it so much more interesting for the listener welcome to at your service right here on camwex you know how who had a point last hour <laughs> that was board operator matt pajeski he made a lot of great points and and that's the point of the show that's what we like to talk about is things that have a point not just rambling but to make a point to have a discussion to exchange ideas that's what at your service is all about. That's that's why I like doing this. Uh, that's why I take time away during the day of my uh, law practice to put together a show to have this kind of an exchange, whether it's on text, uh, texting into the show, calling into the show, interviewing people who have something to say. It all revolves around having a point. And the phone lines are open this hour, 314-436-7900. Call or text. Uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of different topics. If it's a, a topic that we're discussing, obviously we'd love to hear from you. If you've got a new topic on your mind, that's okay too, because that's what this exchange of ideas is all about on At Your Service. And one of the exchange of ideas, and I showed this to Matt Pajeski here a few moments ago, I love this lawsuit that was filed. Uh, most of us are, and I'm not going to say personally familiar with Jack Daniels, but you're at least aware. <laughs> you're at least aware of Jack Daniels, even if you're not personally familiar with the product. And uh, there's a lawsuit that's been filed against a company that makes a toy, that makes a dog chew toy. And instead of the iconic Jack Daniels bottle, it says not Jack Daniels, but it says Bad Spaniels, and it's it, it's. It's uh, orange looking, it's orange in color, but it's a chew toy. It's the same size as a Jack Daniels whiskey bottle. And the, and the label on the front looks very similar, whereas on the Jack Daniels bottle, it says the old number seven, Tennessee whiskey. But on the Bad Spaniels chew toy, it says the old number two on your Tennessee carpet. Okay, so it's funny. It's a parody. It's something that you would love to give your dog. If you're having a drink of whiskey at home, enjoying an adult beverage in the privacy of your own home, and you give your dog the Bad Spaniels chew toy to rip to shreds. Now, I've got, I've got a black lab, and anything short of the thickest rope that you could imagine that, would, that, could, that could bind Superman, perhaps, 
either that or a tennis ball, and she destroys it in a matter of a couple of days. I mean, it's just toast. And even a tennis ball will last a couple of weeks, and then it's time to throw it away, get a new one, because she goes through these. That's what black labs do, right? So this chew toy is a parody. It's obviously a parody. No one's going to confuse these products. And yet Jack Daniels is suing bad spaniels and saying it's a trademark violation. So I, I did a little, this isn't my area of the law, but I did a little research on this. And what's interesting is, number one, can you imagine that this is going to be discussed in detail in a court of law? Now, I would love to hear a bunch of attorneys billing at $750 an hour. And a judge, it's a, it's a, imagine a mahogany lined courtroom with marble floors, attorneys wearing $2,000 suits. Okay. That's not much anymore. $3,000 suits, a judge cloaked in a black robe. I want you to imagine the justice holding the blindfolded justice, holding the scales of justice. And in the midst of that, the $750 an hour attorney is going to say, Your Honor, we're here alleging that bad spaniels, the old number two under Tennessee carpet, is a trademark violation. Now, I think that's funny. And I would love, I would love to be in that courtroom when these lawyers are trying to make this very serious. Because it's funny and it's hilarious. And yet, Jack Daniels has taken him to court. Now, I'm not going to dive into the legalities of this because you don't care. But here's what you might care about because it's it's interesting and informational. It really comes down to two things under court precedent going back decades and as recently as 1989. The, the work in question, in this case, the Bad Spaniels Chew Toy. The whole question here is whether, number one, that this work is not, whether it is or whether it is not artistically relevant to the underlying work. In other words, is it is it its own parody? Does it have something that's unique and interesting, or is it just a complete ripoff of the of the product that it's copying? Number one. And number two, the question is, does it explicitly mislead customers as to the source of the content or work? So if you apply that to this case, number one, is it a unique artistic expression and not just a ripoff? It's not called... Uh, you know, Jad Canyon's whiskey. Uh, that would be just a ripoff, and it would be obviously someone trying to exploit the name for their own product. But no, this is a parody. It's a it makes you laugh, and particularly when you read the old number two on the Tennessee carpet. If you've got a twelve year old male humor like I do, it makes you laugh. So yes, it's its own artistic expression. And number two, is it going to mislead anyone? Well, I don't know of anyone who's going to buy a dog's chew toy thinking that they're going to be getting a bottle of whiskey. Uh, and, and only if you've already consumed an entire bottle of whiskey would you be ever be confused by these two products. They're two completely different products that would not even be sold in the same store. So <laughs> the, the likelihood of there being any confusion between these two products is nil. It's close to zero as it could possibly be. So this lawsuit's been filed. Uh, actually, Bad Spaniels has won all the way through the Court of Appeals. And here's the best part, folks, and I save this for the punchline. This is going to the Supreme Court. 
the Supreme Court has agreed to accept this case. So not only will you have high-priced attorneys, you're going to have the nine justices of the Supreme Court discussing whether someone is confused by a dog's chew toy and confuse that with Jack Daniels whiskey. Now, I think this is as funny as during the 1970s when the Supreme Court had to decide whether movies were pornographic or not, and I would just laugh at the nine justices in the basement of the Supreme Court watching porn movies to see if they were actually pornographic or not. I thought that was funny. Uh, when I read the book, The Brethren, and it described them watching these movies and trying to be serious about it, and I'm laughing now that this is going to be at the Supreme Court. So once once we have uh, once we have a decision from the court, I will bring this to your attention. Hey, coming up after the break, we're going to talk about something far more substantive, and that is this St. Louis Board of Aldermen approving the St. Louis Guaranteed Income Plan. I think that's very serious. I think it's also very troubling. And we're also going to talk about free speech rights uh, in Virginia and how it applies to us right here in St. Louis. Brad Young, at your service. Hey, we'll be right back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. At the top of the hour, you heard our very own uh, Sean Michael Lyle talk about that the St. Louis Board of Aldermen voted today to approve basically a St. Louis guaranteed income plan. Now, the the details are not complicated. Uh, A a bunch of residents, a series of residents, are going to receive $500 each month from this new program. And we don't know exactly how long it's going to last, but at least this part of of the Uh, of the project is going to go for 18 months. It could go longer depending on funding, but this is going to last 18 months, 500 bucks a month if you meet certain criteria, including your income levels and how many folks are in your household and so forth. And there were so many, so many St. Louis politicians who were ecstatic about this when it passed. I saw an interview this week with uh, with Tashar Jones, the mayor, she was so excited about this. 
We saw uh, Megan Green talk about it. We saw older woman uh, Shameen Clark Hubbard was excited uh, and looking forward to this. And as I thought about it, I, I just don't think this is a very good idea. In fact, I think it's, I think it's a bad idea for a number of reasons. And of course, I'd like to get your opinion on it. Do you think it's a good idea for the city of St. Louis, which is certainly not flush with cash, but but the city received money from the federal government's money cannon that that shot in this direction, and five million dollars is going to be used in this uh, pet project. But is this a good idea for the city of St. Louis? Is this something that is worthwhile? and something that will benefit the city in a meaningful way, what do you think? 314-436-7900. 500 bucks a month for 18 months. What do you think? Now, as I thought about this, this actually this week, because it's been proposed, it's been talked about, and today it was passed by the, the St. Louis Board of Aldermen, I essentially came up with four reasons why I think this is an absolutely terrible idea. Maybe you have more than I do, but I came up with four. And the four reasons are not in any particular order. But the first thing that came to my mind was the high cost, $5 million. Now, is this the best way to spend $5 million? Costs a lot. Right now, I believe last year the city had to, uh, there were some police positions that were not filled because according to Mayor Tashara Jones, the city couldn't afford it. So there were police officer positions that went unfilled because the city couldn't afford it. There were uh, police officer positions, uh, or rather overtime slots, that could not be paid for because the city couldn't afford it. So we have the situation where the greatest problem in the city of St. Louis is crime. We have an influx of money, and yet instead of using that influx of money— to, to offset the crime and to fight the crime in the city, we're using it to, to basically just give it away. So the high cost is one of the reasons why I think I'm against it. Secondly, it reduces the incentive to work. Now, I know you're going to say $500 isn't a lot of money. Is it really going to induce someone to not work? Well, for $500 a month, it may induce someone to not get that second job. And I know you're saying, well, get working two jobs, that, that's, that's criminal. I, I've worked two jobs in my career. I'm working two jobs now, for goodness sakes. Uh, and, and, and there's a certain amount of character building, and there's a certain amount of, of saying that I did that. I accomplished that. And yet $500 might reduce that incentive for someone to take that second job, to start that new business, to to take a risk because you're getting money from the government. So I really don't have to do anything. I can just sit and cash the check. And one of the texts that just came in, who decides who gets the $500? What can they spend it on? Uh, I am Irish, and we were the some of the first people brought to America. So to, to answer your question that was just texted in, who decides? Well, the city, the Board of Aldermen said, if you meet this criteria, I believe it's you earn less than $37,000 a year uh, or $39,000 a year if you have multiple family members. And if you fit that criteria, you get the 500 bucks a month. All you have to do is apply for it. The question of what can they spend it on? Anything. There's no restrictions on what this could You could take it to the casinos. 
you can spend it on either Jack Daniels or if you need chew toys, you can spend it on bad Dan- uh, bad Spaniels as well. You can spend it on anything, anything that you want, uh, and there are no restrictions. I've got two more here, but Larry's been holding. I want to take this call from Larry. I know it's off topic, but I don't want Larry to uh, to run away. Hey, Larry, welcome to Camel X. Uh, yes, uh, recent IRS ruling that I've stumbled into. I'm a blue season ticket holder. Sold some of my tickets on the Ticketmaster website, and now I've received a note. I need to fill out a form, giving my social security number to them, because if I receive more than six hundred dollars over the course of the year by selling my tickets, it has to be reported to the IRS. And You're correct. And that, I, I, that is something uh, that was changed last year, that any possibility of earning $600 a year in income or more uh, creates a, a position where uh, the IRS has to be notified. And, you know, on, on one hand, we hear the Social Security number don't give your social security number out to anyone. And now I'm supposed to send it by internet. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I'm sorry. I'm just fearful. (laughs) Well, sure. Because it's really funny, Larry, you make a great point. Uh, Several years ago, uh, the the cleaners that I went to, uh, and this was several years ago, I'd write them a check when I'd pick up my dry cleaning at the cleaners. And they would ask my social security number. And I said, I'm not giving you my social security number. What are you, crazy? I'm just picking up my dry cleaning. And so we'd have this argument about whether they could require to get my social. But I share your concern, Larry. I I, I hire a lot of private investigators, Larry. And the first thing I do in the course of, of my, my law firm practice Uh, I have to hire private investigators for various reasons. And once I get that person's Social Security number, that's the ticket that gives me all kinds of access to information so I can give it to my private investigator. So I share your concern, uh, but does it bother you? And I think this is of greater concern. Does it bother you that, that the IRS is so vindictive and so... Uh, eager to consume your money that they're going to hound you over $600 that you might make from the sale of a hockey ticket? Uh, Bother me is an understatement. (laughs) (laughs) Well, keep in mind, Larry, we've got FCC rules here, so let's be respectful of that. Right. Well, you know, I will say nothing bad, you know, but uh, it does infuriate me. And uh, I've just heard one uh, program state that a similar effort uh, went into the effect by the IRS during the Obama administration, and they were able to put a halt to it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm hoping our leaders that may be listening to this get off of their chair and try to get the IRS to reverse this ruling, because how far does it go? If my wife sells some items on Marketplace to a particular person? Yes. Yes. Yes, it does. And, Larry, before I let you go, here's what I think is also interesting about this. When we heard last year that that President Biden was going to expand the IRS by 87,000 agents, we heard that last year. And the, the argument was, well, it's not going to affect 
middle-income workers. It's not going to affect lower-income Americans or middle-income Americans. This is really laser-focused on millionaires and billionaires who are trying to hide their money from legitimate taxation. Larry, I'm not going to ask you for your your yearly income, but I'm just going to ask you this. Are you a billionaire, Larry? Not quite. Not quite. Okay, let me ask you one other question, and I'm not trying to be intrusive, but are you a millionaire? Actually, far from it. Okay, far from it. So when the IRS now is going to be hounding you over your uh, refund or resale of a blues ticket, does that really feel to you like the IRS is only targeting millionaires and billionaires with the IRS? No. No, no, it doesn't. It, it doesn't uh, at all. The best way to describe it is ready, fire, aim. Oh, you are so right on that, Larry. Hey, we've got to go to a commercial break, my friend, but I appreciate you calling in this evening. All right. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. you. Great, great to talk to you. Hey, when we come back from this break, I'm going to finish up. I covered two of the things or two of the reasons why I think this guaranteed basic income or universal basic income is an awful idea. I'll cover my two more reasons why I'm against it. Are you for it or again it, as my relatives in Southern Illinois would say? For it or again it? 314-436-7900 on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Going into that last break, we were talking about the Universal basic income. And I've been talking about universal basic income for a long time, uh, but always in the theoretical. And now it's here in the city of St. Louis uh, in the form of what's called guaranteed basic income, guaranteed for 18 months, 500 bucks a month if you qualify to the financial ceiling of somewhere dollars $39,000. And, uh, and you have to apply and you get 500 bucks a month for the next 18 months. Good idea, bad idea. What do you think? Now, I laid out my my first two reasons why I was against it. Number one, the high cost. It's going to cost $5 million. And secondly, it reduces the incentive to work. And again, it's only 500 bucks a month. Maybe that's certainly, or rather, certainly that's not as much as you would earn working. Uh, but it robs you of an opportunity to learn new skills, to start a new business, and creates a dependency on the government instead of a dependency on self-worth and hard work. And those are two problems. The other two problems that I have with this, uh, really the, the, the first of my final two, is it really doesn't address the root causes of poverty. Because people who are in poverty, they lack more than just money. They, there's all kinds of issues that causes people to be in poverty. There are addiction issues. There are health issues. There are lack of skills issues, lack of education issues. And just giving someone 500 bucks a month doesn't solve any of those problems. Now, let me give you the greatest example. You've heard me give this statistic here on Camo X before. It's not new. But for folks who win the lottery, 70% of lottery winners go bankrupt in five years. 70% go bankrupt in five years. And intellectually, when you first ponder that statistic, number one, it's a fact. It's not, I'm not giving you an opinion. It's a fact. But as you ponder that, the first thing is, that's insane. If you win the lottery, you should be fine. You're getting millions of dollars. What can possibly go wrong? Well, 
I had a, it, it was a friend of a friend situation. A friend of mine had a personal friend of hers who told me this story several years ago that a friend of a friend won the lottery. They won, I don't know, like a couple million bucks. It wasn't like one of those billion dollar, oh my goodness, but it was a few million dollars that they got after taxes. First thing they did was they went out and bought a Corvette. It was $80,000. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't insure the Corvette because they thought, what do I care? They just went and bought it. And on the way home from buying the, buying the Corvette, they wrecked the Corvette because they were driving 120 miles an hour or something crazy, and they weren't, they weren't capable of handling a car. Weren't, wasn't terribly injured, but did completely total the car. They hadn't had it a day. So they went out and bought another one. So all of a sudden now, in the course of two days, they've dropped $150,000 on Corvettes, and that's only in the first two days. And lo and behold, it took a couple of years and that person went bankrupt. And the concept is, is that you cannot give someone money that doesn't know how to handle that money. Because giving them more money isn't going to help the situation. Let me give you another great example. Uh, there's a friend of mine who is in, uh, who got a degree in sports management. And one of the things that you're taught when you get a sports management degree, according to this acquaintance of mine, is that if you're managing, if you're the manager of a sports figure, the first thing that you have to do when that person goes pro is teach them how to handle money, teach them how to set up bank accounts, teach them how to make sure you don't spend everything that you get, teach them how to what happens with credit cards and you don't overload the credit card. You've got to set money aside for retirement. You can't spend everything you have. You can't buy a house that costs too much and then you can't afford to buy furniture or a TV or a phone. You've got to, you know, all of those basic things of life that the sports management people have to handle when they have their clients who are sports figures who become overnight millionaires when they're drafted into some American sports league. And that makes sense too. So $500 a month isn't going to make someone a millionaire overnight. But the idea is the same regardless of the amount of money. That if you just give someone 500 bucks without any training without any recommendations on how to spend the money, what to do with the money, how to save some of that money, how to make sure that you don't go to the casinos, how you don't just squander that money, then that money truly will be squandered. And the 500 bucks a month does nothing to address the addiction issues, nothing to address the poor health issues, nothing to address the lack of skills issues, and nothing to address the lack of education issues with those who are receiving that $500 a month. And sure, you're going to hear, you're going to hear cherry-picked stories of success over the next 18 months. I promise you. I'm telling you right now what you're going to see if you watch television, that there's going to be a puff piece about someone who got the 500 bucks and they used it to, to pay for some money towards their education, and they end up getting a master's degree and starting their own business, and, and they're doing very well. You're going to hear those cherry pick stories. But that's not going to be representative of the whole. You're only going to hear a few of those. And this is going to be going to thousands of people. It's going to cost $5 million over the next 18 months. It doesn't address the root causes of poverty. And the last reason why, uh, and I've got more, but I only wanted to share four. And this to me may be the greatest of my objections to this money. It's called the opportunity cost. 
Now, opportunity cost is a fancy economics term by saying, what could you do with this money other than this? And if you took that $500, instead of just giving it away, how about create something called enterprise zones where businesses could come to St. Louis, maybe operate tax-free if they would hire local citizens. Now you're creating jobs. You're giving people skills. You're teaching them to earn a living, to manage their finances, to manage money. You're giving them those opportunities more than just a check that they did nothing to get. They did nothing to earn it. And to them, it's $500, but it may be worthless because it cost them nothing. You know, you've heard this old saying, it's old and it's trite and it's hackneyed. But it's also true that if you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. If you teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. And sure, it's trite, and we've all heard it, but doesn't that apply to this situation? Because we're giving folks $500 worth of fish every month instead of teaching them how to fish, instead of showing them where the fish are, instead of giving them the tools, the skills, the education, the knowledge, the opportunity to go out and catch maybe more than $500 worth of fish, we're just giving them 500 bucks worth of fish and saying, there you go. Instead of teaching them what they need to work their way out of poverty. Folks, that's why, among other reasons, that this is a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. And despite the cherry-picked success stories that we're going to see by the city of St. Louis's PR department over the next 18 months, the overall benefit of this $5 million when it ends in 18 months, is going to be negligible, negligible. And just think, what could that that $5 million, what could that have been used to do that would be more meaningful than simply 18 months of a giveaway program? We're we're really not going to know. We're not going to know because that opportunity cost is lost at the end of that 18 months. We've gotten several text messages in over the last few minutes. Uh, The text messages, by and large, are, in fact, they're unanimously against this idea of universal basic income. But even if you're for it, I would love to hear you, hear your perspective on it. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to castigate your ideas on this. But I would like to hear what the arguments are in favor of it. And, And I can probably make them up myself. It's going to help people that the $500 a month could be transformative in terms of paying your gas bill, paying your electric bill, buying gasoline with the price of gasoline higher than it was a year ago. It could allow someone to get to work and earn a living and make uh, get that job because they can afford to put gasoline in the gas tank. They can afford to heat their homes during the winter. I mean, I, I can make up those arguments, but those are all short-term benefits rather than long-term gains. It's kind of like the folks who invested in FTX or invest in Bitcoin or Dogecoin or Ethereum or any of the other magical, mysterious cryptocurrencies that at the end of the day don't mean anything. Is It's an idea that I can invest very little and get back a whole lot without really working very hard. And folks, that just never works. And I'm sure right now in your own personal experience, you're thinking right now, you know, I've worked hard. I've worked hard for 20 years. I've worked hard for 40 years. I 
I, I got an education. I put my kids through school. I did this. I did that. And the laundry list is your personal laundry list, and you worked hard for that. But to someone who just gets a check for 500 bucks a month, it doesn't really cost them anything. And that, therein lies the problem with universal basic income. Hey, we've got more coming up here in the last segment, including, and I was talking to Kevin Colleen before the show started. Kevin Colleen is truly the most interesting human being I've ever met. And uh, coming up after the break in the last segment, we'll be uh, hearing the latest uh, whole nother story from our very own Kevin Colleen here on At Your Service, KMOX. Hey, welcome back to the last segment here on At Your Service tonight. Thanks for sticking around and staying up late with us here on CamelX. I, I talk about litigation and court cases, not just because I'm an attorney, but I try to talk about it in a conversational way for this reason primarily, is that laws, and certainly in our society, laws and litigation are how we resolve differences that reflect our values. Uh, it's no secret I'm a big fan of Star Trek, right? And I'm not going to start quoting Star Trek here. And already Matt Pajeski's laughing at me by just saying Star Trek. But uh, but I, I mention it because if you watch Star Trek, you know that the Klingons resolve their differences uh, with with violence. They fight each other. That's how they resolve. But in our society, we resolve our differences, or at least we should, through the court system. And so the results of those cases, the results of, of that litigation, the result of the litigation should be a reflection of our values. And when it's not, we can talk about it, we can discuss it, we can change the laws, we can change the courts, we can change things to reflect our values, regardless of your perspective, right or left, or even something completely different. I mention that because there's a case that uh, has come out of Virginia, and it's a case that, again, reflects our values. And, sh- and reflects the the clash of our values, more importantly. And in this case, it's called Henning versus Adair. The name's not important. But a Virginia Tech women's soccer player was playing for the Virginia Tech, which is a state school in Virginia. And she was ordered by the school, by the coach, was ordered to kneel whenever uh, there was a, a statement regarding unity. In other words, the team was told you're to kneel during these announcements during the George Floyd uh, situation. You're to kneel as if you're Colin Kaepernick in support of what's being said uh, regarding a George Floyd situation. And this particular student said, no, I'm not going to kneel. I'm not going to kneel. And she was eventually kicked off of the soccer team because of her refusal to kneel. So she sued. And her lawsuit alleged uh, uh, her lawsuit alleged that she's being punished for failing or refusing to speak when ordered to do so. In other words, the idea of kneeling in support of the, uh, the Black Lives Matter, the Antifa, the statements in support of George Floyd, and the, and the Marxist philosophy behind that, that she was being punished because she refused to speak by her actions, by the act of kneeling. She was refusing to support those ideals. And so she filed a lawsuit. 
And the lawsuit has been filed and it's going forward right now. And the federal court ruled in favor of this student saying that this lawsuit can go forward. In other words, the motion to dismiss was denied. And the judge said that there is a valid cause of action here and the case moves forward. And so as I thought about this, when I heard this case today, I was reminded of a case that goes all the way back to 1943. It's a case at the Supreme Court. And at that case, uh, it was a West Virginia case uh, going back to 1943. And the Supreme Court held uh, in that situation that students cannot be compelled to give the Pledge of Allegiance. And there it was at Jehovah's Witnesses, and they said it violated their, their tenets of their religion by saying a Pledge of Allegiance to a secular flag. But the court, interestingly enough, even back in 1943, didn't rule on this from a religious rights perspective. They didn't say, well, because your faith uh, uh, forbids you from pledging allegiance to a secular government, we're going to rule in your favor. No, that's not what the court said. The court said in their decision that the First Amendment right to speak is, includes the right to not speak. It includes the right to not voice your opinion. In other words, the right to speak is important as the right to be silent. And so you cannot be forced to give the Pledge of Allegiance if you have the right not to speak. In other words, the court cannot or the government cannot compel your speech. And so that was the case in 1943. And yet fast forward to 2021, and this student was being compelled to speak by her actions to kneel in support of what was being said following the example given by Colin Kaepernick. And so I find that interesting because we have this clash of ideals between free speech and conformity with what society is telling you to do. And this student chose to exercise her right to not kneel, to not speak by her actions, and she was punished for it. So now she has a lawsuit. So I'll be following that lawsuit as it moves forward because it demonstrates this clash of ideals and we'll see how and which values prevail once that litigation comes to an end. Talking about values, I mentioned it before the break. Uh, I think Kevin Colleen is the most interesting person in St. Louis. I really, truly do. And this particular whole nother story incorporates a lot of the things that makes Kevin Colleen a gem for Camo X. I found an old family scrapbook in the basement, and there was a yellow newspaper article that says my great-grandfather on my mother's side died in the very building where I work, the Missouri Pacific Building at 1220 Olive. He died on the 15th floor, and I work on the 3rd. He was at work when he died, supervisor of passenger services for the railroad. He was 69, and he dropped dead suddenly at work. Imagine those days, a great railroad headquarters building, electric fans oscillating, typewriters clacking, rotary phones ringing, chalkboards with data on the whereabouts of every Missouri Pacific passenger train in the field. This was a big job. 
But it was even bigger because in 1959, the railroads were in trouble. More and more people were flying. My great-grandfather's job as head of passenger services was probably to stop the decline of passengers. He probably kept a bottle of aspirin and some bicarbonate of soda in his desk drawer. Maybe he had high blood pressure, and he would loosen his necktie on July days and look out the window and wonder, how am I going to get out of this? Maybe he thought to himself, hey, I'm 69. If I can just save the railroad by the time I'm 70, then I can retire in peace. Maybe he had a folder in his desk of the big trip he was planning to take, by rail, of course, to all the relaxing places he never got to go. Hot Springs, Arkansas, Fort Lauderdale, San Diego. He probably had a pension and some plans to work around the yard to get his house in order, touch up paint on the picket fence, trim the hedge, order some new Tarvia for the driveway, and get a hammock. He's never had a hammock. He's worked his whole life. But he died at work at the age of 69. And shortly after that, I came along, and I grew up to be a delinquent boy who would play on the very train tracks of the organization he worked for. I would throw icy snowballs at the windows of passenger trains, not knowing what an abomination this was, the great-grandson destroying and undoing all the passenger reputation he had built up. I'm thinking of taking the elevator up to the 15th floor and look around. Maybe there's an old drinking fountain in the hallway he used to sip from, or a mirror in the men's room that once held his reflection. If I'm lucky, and I'm still working here when I'm 69, I might have the same thing happen to me. With a whole other story. Ah, <laughs> oh, Kevin Colleen. You know, that, you did it again, my friend. That is fabulous. What are the odds that Kevin Colleen's grandfather would be would have worked in the same building where Kevin Colleen works right now. That is an astounding coincidence. And usually Kevin is talking about the interesting stories uh, and oddities in other folks' lives, and here he found one in his own. Uh, the only interesting thing in my family was that my, my grandfather uh, was a milkman. He ran a milk business in southern Illinois. And before my dad went to the coal mine, he worked in the milk business, too. He delivered milk to people's homes. And so the joke when I was a kid was that uh, that I looked like the milkman. And, uh, you know, that was all, that was usually a derogatory statement in those days. I, I didn't really live around the time whenever milk was personally delivered. But to say you look like the milkman was derogatory. But in my instance, and in my case, it was a fact. Hey, thanks for sticking around with us this evening. Coming up after the news, we have the best of Dave Glover. So you're going to want to stick around for that tomorrow morning. Make sure you check out Camo X at 835 in the morning. I'll be doing a new legal segment uh, with Carol Daniel every Wednesday morning at 835. So stick around here on the voice of St. Louis Camo X. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. 
Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.